Well, I'm gonna have to go back to looking for real crimes. You know, with actual evidence, because I cannot find Russians anywhere. Follow the money. Follow the money. Unless it's more money than ever, being printed at a rate faster than ever by the world's largest money printer during the middle of a freakout. Then you don't follow the money. Then you just freak out, right? Wrong. We're going to follow the money here. I'm talking about the Federal Reserve, and I'm talking about the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. Don't worry if you don't know what the balance sheet is. We are going to walk through it here. We are going to follow the money. Now, two weeks ago, the Federal Reserve's balance sheet was sitting at $4.3 trillion. It then added $360 billion to its balance sheet. Printed that money out of thin air. Don't get caught up on that. It is a bank of issue. That is what it does. It creates money from thin air, just like commercial banks do, as we saw in my last video several eons ago. The Federal Reserve created $360 billion and added it to its balance sheet two weeks ago. It then turned around and printed another $590 billion and added that to its balance sheet. The two-week total added to the balance sheet was $940 billion. The previous two-week high, $510 billion during the height of the financial crisis after the collapse of Lehman Brothers in 2008. So $510 was the old record. $940 billion has just been added to the balance sheet, which now sits at $5.2 2.54 trillion dollars. The previous balance sheet high was 4.5 trillion dollars set back in 2015. It thus took the Federal Reserve 100 years to get to 4.5 trillion dollars and we have now blown past that record by 15 or 20 percent in the space of two weeks. Something is going on. I think even the casual observer would acknowledge that much. Now, the Fed says, and you know this is coming, right? The Fed says it has to do this because of the coronavirus, and the coronavirus has harmed Main Street, and the Fed needs to print up all this money and ease credit conditions in households and businesses. And that's why it's doing, taking these unprecedented steps uh, with regard to monetary policy on its balance sheet. I am here to tell you that is a big, fat lie. It is arguably the biggest lie ever, given the sums of money involved. Now, you don't need to take my word for that. As usual on this show, I am going to show you that the Federal Reserve is lying about the coronavirus. It is a pretext. The Fed is lying, and I am going to use the Fed's own numbers and the Fed's own words. So let's get into it. I've got the balance sheet right here, and there we go. And you can see here, up in the left-hand corner, I'm going to put a highlight on this so you can see it that the Fed's balance sheet now totals $5.254 trillion. That is the total assets as of March 25th. And we are looking at total assets. You can see it here. Um, this is Wednesday, by the way. March 25th is a Wednesday. The Fed tabulates its balance sheet on Wednesdays and reports them on Thursday. So this is the most recent total of the balance sheet, $5.254 trillion. Now, the total assets... 
Yeah, it's total assets, but the total liabilities looks exactly the same since it's a balance sheet. So the graph down here for liabilities is going to look just like it does for assets. Now, the important point about this is that these dollars, this is millions of dollars, 5.254 million million equals 5.254 trillion. This money is reserve funds. It is not bank money. The last video I did about commercial banks making loans and printing money when they make loans, that's bank money. That is not this money that we are looking at on this balance sheet graph. This is reserves. Reserves and bank money are in two different circuits, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. For now, though, let's look over here on the graph, and you can see there the $5.254 trillion balance sheet in graphical form. Um, but let's walk back to the beginning here. So what I'm scrubbing over now is the balance sheet of the Fed between late 2002 and the gray bar, which is the onset of the financial crisis. And one thing that you can see there very clearly is that the balance sheet never goes over uh, during that time over a, a trillion dollars. It's under a trillion dollars that entire time. What you can't see there is that the assets on the balance sheet at that time are almost entirely U.S. Treasuries. Okay, That changes. That and the amount both change during the financial crisis. And you can see here, this is September. This is the Lehman Brothers explodes and, and blows up, and the balance sheet goes with it. Two things change at that time. One, the balance sheet goes up a lot. And two the Fed begins taking on things other than U.S. Treasuries onto its balance sheet. In particular, it begins to buy lots of mortgage-backed securities. It buys other things, too, but the mortgage-backed securities are the big one. Okay, the next thing that goes on is that you see the balance sheet continues to rise at the, up to $4.5 trillion. I happen to know that it hits a, it hits a high of 4.516 on January 14, 2015. Um, that was a temporary, that was the high until recently. And um, the balance sheet keeps, keeps rising, notice, even though the financial crisis is supposedly over, the Fed's just packing more and more and more assets onto its balance sheet. And it is printing up reserves. Uh, the banks, in, in exchange for those reserves, supply assets to the Fed. And those assets, as I say, it are mostly U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities right there, but also some other stuff. Now you can see here... In beginning of 2018, the Fed begins to produce its balance sheet. It is selling U.S. Treasuries, selling mortgage-backed securities. Really what it's doing is letting those assets roll off and not buying any more of them. But the point is the Fed begins to roll down its balance sheet. It begins to reduce its balance sheet, trying to get its balance sheet back to normal. And then you can see that in September, September 11th, September 18th, um, the, the balance sheet begins to rise again. I'm going to blow this up so we can see it better. Yeah, September 18th. This here, starting on September 18th, this is when the New York Fed enters the repo market, repurchase agreements. The New York Fed enters the repo market, um, and it drives up the balance sheet slightly. Well, in retrospect, it's quite slight. At the time, it seemed to be a big deal. Um... And notice that this is well before anybody has heard of any coronavirus. So the balance sheet has already started to tick up appreciably 
well before we hear of coronavirus. And then we come to March 11th and things go haywire. It goes in the space of two weeks. The balance sheet goes from $4.3 trillion up to $5.254 trillion. Now, that two-week change, $944 billion. Of that, you've got, um, it's $468 billion of U.S. Treasuries. $110 billion of that is in the repo market. $109 billion of that is loans. So some of the increase in the $944 billion is loans, and $206 billion of that is central bank liquidity swaps. And that is the composition. That is what has driven up the balance sheet in those two weeks. Okay, now that we've seen the Federal Reserve's balance sheet blow up by $940 billion in the space of two weeks, let's look at the Fed's explanation for why it did this. That's contained in a March 15th memo that the Fed released, the Ides of March memo, which I happen to have right here. And there you see it, right in the very first sentence. You knew it was coming. The coronavirus outbreak has harmed communities and disrupted economic activity. You think? Having people sit home and not work? So what is the Fed going to do about it? You need to go to the second page to that. Here we go. It is going to support the flow of credit to households and businesses, and thereby promote its maximum employment and price stability, yada, yada. It is specifically going to increase its holdings of treasury securities by at least $500 billion and its holdings of agency mortgage-backed securities by at least $200 billion. Now, the $500 billion we saw, that number actually in the last two weeks has been $468 billion. The $200 billion of mortgage-backed securities has not yet materialized only because those trades have not yet settled. Once they settle, that's going to get tacked on, and that $5.254 billion balance sheet is going to be more whatever. It's going to be north of $5.5 trillion. It's just going to keep going. So to summarize, Main Street's been hurt because people can't go to their jobs. They don't have any income. Main Street businesses have been hurt because they've had to close their doors. They don't have any more revenue. The Fed's answer to that, supposedly, is to print up $944 billion and give it to the banks in reserve money, knowing full well that that reserve money can't reach Main Street. It can't happen. I'm going to show you that in a minute. But the point for now is this. You've got one person who's hurt and loses money, and at the very same time, someone else gains money. You know, this sounds a lot more like a robbery to me than any flu I've ever heard of. As I said, follow the money. And incidentally, $944 billion, that's happened within the space of two weeks. In that same two-week period, we've had 65,000 new cases of coronavirus. That's $14.5 million per case. And none of it is going to Main Street. You think I'm kidding about having a split-circuit monetary system and reserves not getting out and helping Main Street? You don't have to trust me. You, you, and the reason you don't have to trust me is we've got Bill Dudley here. Dudley was president of the New York Fed starting in 2008 after the financial crisis. He replaced Tim Geithner, who moved on to the Treasury. Before the New York Fed, guess where, guess where Dudley worked? Yeah, Goldman Sachs. He was its chief economist. He worked at Goldman 24 years. This guy is the banker's banker. Let him explain to you how reserves ain't going to get to Main Street. 
When people say we're flush with liquidity because the Fed is doing this and it's boosting risk assets, what do they mean by that and what are they getting wrong? Well, they have this idea that when the Fed buys T-bills, they're adding reserves to the banking system and somehow those reserves are leaking out and leading to greater demand for the stock market. But the reality is the reserves don't leak out of the banking system uh, because if someone withdraws their money from a bank, they make a purchase, that money flows right back into the banking system. Banks can't affect how many reserves there are in the banking system. The Fed determines that. Those reserves are not used to, for other stuff like buy, buying bonds or buying equities. Well, there you have it from Mr. New York Fed himself, Bill Dudley. Reserves are our private sandbox. They do not mix with your grubby bank money. I'm surprised he didn't come right out and just say separate but equal. He probably wanted to, but he was already smirking so much uh, he was afraid he'd bust out laughing. But seriously, the split-circuit monetary system is a chief feature of the Federal Reserve. It was not like that before the Federal Reserve was created in 1913. There's a reason for that. Let me back up. A few years ago, I read something in a Federal Reserve transcript that made me wonder. It was like, WTF is this? And I asked a few people, and nobody had an answer. So finally, I read and read and read and read and researched, and a lot of things happened, and I moved to Chicago. And anyway, I finally think I figured out what is going on with the Federal Reserve and why it is set up the way it is. Um, and I'm going to get into that. But let me tell you this right now, those transcripts are very interesting. And they're one of the reasons I think that the Fed is now petitioning Congress to include a provision in this Coronavirus Act to eliminate transparency of the Fed, be able to conduct meetings in secret and to suspend the Sunshine Laws, in particular Freedom of Information Act. The Fed does not like transparency. And I'm going to get into why it is not transparency. I'm gonna lay all that out in coming episodes. But those transcripts, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff for them. So uh, thanks, Duds. And thank you for watching. Uh, it's good to see you again. It's great to be back. And I will see you next time.